Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals featuring 437 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information. And with me, as always. What up, what up? It's me, it's me. It's Lukey C, a.k.a. The Crockpot. What are we talking about today? Today, a little bit of mixed bag here. A A lot of housekeeping items from last week. Uh, We have the national championship game. I know it feels like it's been like two weeks since that happened, but I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to go back and revisit the masters good weekend of golf. And then, you know, I want to, I want to start really dialing into our draft coverage a little bit. I got a little bit of an announcement here that I'll get to in one second, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about quarterbacks and we focused primarily in this pre-draft process as we've led up to the draft. We've really only talked about quarterbacks. So I want to get a little bit more into that. And and the announcement that I have is that we will be doing a live draft stream. We've kind of teased this the last few weeks. We will be actually doing it at the corner bar, which, to be honest with you, the logistics of that might actually end up being a little bit better for us. We do it over on the new side. So the owner of the corner bar, Kenny, had the cable company over there today getting the, the Wi-Fi beefed up for us. So we'll be doing a three-hour live show, probably propped up on the bar. So we'll see what Hell happens yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, on the on the new side. So, you know, I think we'll have some they're, – they're, they're working on some giveaway stuff, some swag from the, from the beer companies. Flathers said that he has one of those rideable coolers. You know what I'm talking – those motorized coolers. He's got one of those that we may give away. They're doing the pick the top 10 picks in order. You win $1,000. So all that's going to be happening. More details that come on that, but I'm pumped. You know, I know you are too, Luke. I I thought that our our live draft stream last year was awesome, but this year we're we're up in the odds a little bit. So it sounds like it's going to be me, Luke, Brian Hernandez from Zero Dark Nerdy, and Chris Flathers. My guess is... You know, we may get some guests in there, man. You never know who's going to show up the corner bar, who's going to want to try to get involved. So we're going to be working for three hours. We're going to be drinking. We're going to be um, navigating all the other stuff that's happening around us. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. More details to come. Be on the lookout. We're going to start promoting via social this week. So very exciting. You Can't wait. It sounds sounds fucking awesome. I I mean, a lot of these details you're hearing about for the first time, too, because it's all kind of transpiring right now. You got NFL draft. You got bars, which means you got beer. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a good time. You are going to be there. We haven't figured out exactly what everything's going to look like 
in ter- but I think Behern's going to bring the whole mobile studio. So I think we're going to have everything laid out. So me and you are basically just going to have to show up. Mike's hot. Start talking, which is the way I like it. So we'll start prepping for that. But with all that being said, I, I want to start talking a little bit of more about some of the other position groups and some things like that as, as we lead up to the draft. Okay. Luke does not know the questions that I'm going to ask him either. So I have not uh, given him any insight. But before we get into all the topics of the show, we have a word from our sponsor. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online is you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to betonline.ag with your computer or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. You got one this week? I hit I hit a couple top tens last week. We'll get into that in a minute. So we got some we got some dough. We got some dough in the reserves. So we're gonna go, we're gonna beef it up a little bit. We hit a couple top tens last week. We're going for a top five this week at uh, the RBC Heritage in uh, Hilton Head Island. And we're going with a top five this time on my guy, 10 to 1, Siwoo Kim. Top five on Siwoo Kim, 10 to 1 at betonline.ag. Okay, I like it. So let's, let's talk NCAA tournament. Last week, one of the topics was, can Baylor upset Gonzaga? Clearly, clearly they did, right? Baylor beat Gonzaga 86 to 70 last Monday night in the NCAA championship game. I think the most important question here to start with is dad of two with a toddler and an infant. How much of the game did you watch starting it with a 920 tip off? Um, none. <laughs> I will say I saw none. I, I was already in bed before tip. Um, I was looking at my phone, got a little caught up. And I looked up and I saw that uh, Baylor was up. I think like, what 18 to three almost like right away right 18 six something like that and um you know i'm like oh well this is good for like i said on the show last week this is good for my wallet if they're able to hold on to this and uh it doesn't look like it ever got much closer than that and um so i didn't see any of it good for baylor jalen sugg showed a little bit of fight in that game which i thought was good for his draft stock which is already obviously skyrocketing he he hit some threes late he just you know they Baylor had the answer, man. They kept the heat on, the pressure. They used those guards. I talked about those guys last week, so it was interesting. I think just on a bigger level here, March Madness, I've definitely discussed this in the past. I believe that you've echoed my sentiments. As I've gotten older, I've become a little less interested in March Madness. I I don't do the brackets as much as I used to in, in those kind of things. You know, how much interest this year did you have in the tournament as a whole? You know, is it more or less the same? Do you feel like, you know, anything happened this year that's going to spark your interest in college basketball moving forward? Or is it just kind of a situation where, similar to me, you feel like, you know, the sports change so much and there's not a lot going on. It, it doesn't do it for you as much as it used to. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in your in your your camp there with uh, it just it wasn't as captivating. I mean. You know, I don't want to. Talk, I don't want. To, I don't want to bash it, but the the product is just not good anymore. I don't know if it's just because I've gotten older and realized that the product just is. It's just not good basketball, or if you know, back when I was young and and this was everything to me was 
when, you know, there were grown men, there were juniors and seniors playing in this tournament for, you know, the Blue Bloods, Duke and Kentucky and Indiana and all those schools had, they had, you know, juniors and seniors that were leading these teams instead of freshmen. I don't know which it is. I just know that I'm not as captivated by it as I used to be. I would say this year was probably the the least amount that I had watched of any tournament. I think I only watched one full game was OU in the first round against UVA. They played in the second round. We were actually recording when uh, when that game was on and, and OU got blown out. It's my alma mater. So I think the last championship game I watched from start to finish was uh, 2015 when Duke played Wisconsin. And um, that's only because I have a passing interest in Duke uh, just from <laughs> my childhood when I was a kid. I'm just not that uh, I'm not that taken by it anymore. And I think the first number one overall pick I remember not going deep in the tournament. Well, not, I shouldn't say going deep in the tournament, but not even making the tournament was Ben Simmons. So, you know, that, that's recent. And then you have, you know, Markel Fultz, whose team didn't do much. And so now it doesn't even seem like these guys, even if their teams aren't any good in college, they're still going number one, number two. And, and they should, don't get me wrong. Those are, those are excellent basketball players. And that's how the draft should shake out. But, and nothing against Jalen Suggs. I, I believe he's a sophomore. So like he plays for Gonzaga, which is de- they're either on TV at 11 PM on a weeknight or not at all. You know, I don't see him. So these guys that, the, that are the highly, highly drafted prospects, you know, they're younger. We don't know much about them. So you get less invested. They're gone in a year anyway. And I think that that has a lot to do with why you're seeing some waning interest, at least from, from my perspective. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's no Tim Duncans anymore who's staying all four years in, in, in those kinds of kind of dynastic teams, groups of players that move through their progression together. And basketball is designed once these guys sort of once their stocks up, they go very few, very few guys come back. You know, I like what Michigan, what Juwan Howard's doing with the Michigan program. So maybe there's a little bit of interest there. I just think in general, and I'm not sure if I've pitched this idea on the water cooler before, but I definitely think there needs to be some type of rule change where they allow these guys to go to go pro after high school. Uh, I know they can do it now, right? They can go to the G League now or they can go to Europe, but either let them go to the NBA right out of high school or similar to baseball or football, make them stay for two or three years. Right. I I just, I don't like this one and done. I I think it's hurt. It's sort of watered down the sport a little bit for sure. Every, every one of these blue blood teams, it's sort of a, a new team every year with players. You don't know. I mean, I think the one benefit maybe is it's made the coaches more the stars of the sport, which, you know, is okay, but, you know, it's, we'll see, you know, Roy Williams walked away last week. I think that a lot of the direction that the sport's going with, you know, the NLI, the the licensing and, and things like that and players transferring when, and one and done. I think that even some of these guys are just sort of getting fed up with it. So I don't know. We're, we'll keep our eye on it. Michigan's sort of recruiting well I think you know you're a you're a borderline Ohio State fan in basketball too I believe the way too early top 25 next year has Michigan Ohio State both in the top 10 it's got some blue bloods back there I think they're anticipating that Gonzaga is going to be preseason number one so I think some of the Gonzaga players are going to stay so I think that maybe there'll be some something to latch on to next year we'll see we'll see what happens there but I, I was just curious to get your take on that 
that first weekend is always the most fun. And I just felt like it wasn't there this year. I don't know if it's just because of, you know, other stuff that's going on in the world with COVID and, and, you know, as you mentioned in the intro there, father of two, and I've got other stuff going on in my life. So, you know, I, I'd like it to get back to that point And, uh, cause I really enjoy those first, especially those first two days. I mean, no buzzer beaters until the final four this year. I mean, that's the other thing, right? That's what a lot sort of upsets, of, but no buzzer beaters. Eh, you know, I just, that's what engaged, you know, engaged me when I was younger, sort of the allure of that last second shot, everybody going bananas, you know, and it's just, it doesn't feel like that piece of it. Now, obviously Jalen Suggs hits a half court shot to go to the national championship, which was awesome. But when I think back and maybe it's a little bit romanticized, I just, I certainly remember on a yearly basis, a lot more last second, you know, game winning shots. So. Yeah. I think that's most of the memories, um, you know, Duke, Kentucky and, uh, you know, some Bryce, other ones. Bryce Drew. Yeah, Bryce Drew. I was trying to think of his name earlier. Valpo, Valpo. Tyus Edney drove the length of the court when he was playing for UCLA. I mean, there's a lot of them. And, oh, man, a lot of guys. So, yeah, I mean, look. All right. That's enough on college basketball. Let's talk Masters. Let's talk golf. Let's talk your, your specialty. Let's talk about Hideki Matsuyama, one-stroke win at 10-under. Obviously, a lot of guys were in the mix over the course of the week, right? You had Justin Rose early, Xander Shoffley kind of in and out. Johnny Rahm made a little bit of a run late. Spieth was hanging around. I mean, there was there was some names out there this week, but Hideki Matsuyama just kind of, he took over, what, on Saturday, early on Saturday or maybe late on Friday. He started to to creep in there and, ne and never gave up the lead. Just curious general thoughts and then some big takeaways from the tournament. Yeah, just extremely happy for Hideki. He finally did it. And, you know, it was funny. I was talking to a friend about it this morning, and it's like, oh, he finally did it. It feels like he's been around forever. I, I was shocked when I heard, oh, he's 29. It's like, God, of course he's only 29. These guys are coming in so young now, and it feels like we're really as golf fans, we're really spoiled by guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy and these guys that are winning in their early 20s, winning majors, you know, in their early 20s, because it's 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 not always that easy, especially for guys like, you know, Hideki is a world class player. He's always struggled putting, but from tee to green, he's one of the 10, 15 best players in the world. So uh, he was finally able to put together a great putting week. And like I said, still only 29 years old. So talked about it. Uh, I think you heard a lot about, you know, he carries a lot of the weight of Japan on his shoulders when he's in these tournaments. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, no matter, where, no matter where he's going and what tournament, he's got like throngs of reporters, you know, 10, 15 deep that, that are just there to talk to him. And they're, they're all Japanese media. So <clears throat> very, very Dice K, right? Remember Dice K yes, when he first yes. came over? Yeah. And, um, you know, they've had golfers in the past, uh, Royal Ishikawa and a couple other ones that just never panned out. And, uh, you know, for him to be the first, he's always been kind of private. You know, he still speaks with the, uh, still uses a translator um, to, to speak with the media and, um, you know, just really, really happy for him. And just how cool is it when they put the jacket on him and he was on the green, man, he looked, he looked like a kid. That was so awesome. And I was just, I was happy for him. I think it's great for the game of golf. You know, Japan is a golf craze country you might not realize it but um it's pretty it's pretty insane and 
uh, I was just happy he was able to put it all together, uh, especially the, the putting. So if he can figure that part out, he's going to hang around for a long, long time and be competitive. But yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, Ron made a nice run on Sunday. Uh, I think he had the round of the day on Sunday at six under. He was even coming in. But, um, you know, Hideki did kind of he, he kind of seized it up on Saturday after the rain delay. When they, uh, they they went away for about an hour on Saturday afternoon, late Saturday afternoon, about four four thirty, I think, is when it uh, when the rain delay started. And when they came back, the course played a lot different than it had up until that point. It was a lot softer. The greens had slowed down, and I think that's really good for a guy that struggles with putting. You know, he wants the greens to be as slow as possible, and he that's he really locked it up. He squeezed the life out of it on Saturday evening. Um, I believe he birdied six of the final eight holes and uh, really took a, took a hold of the tournament right then and never looked back. So that game a four stroke lead. And, um, you know, on Sunday he came out and everybody was kind of struggling, you know, hole number five just killed a lot of guys, you know, Spieth bogeyed it, Shoffley double bogeyed it in the final group. Justin Rose had a bogey there, Patrick Reed. So guys that were close, Corey Connors was another guy I had, uh, luckily was able to finish in the top 10 still, but, uh, you know, all those guys that were close, you know, they, they stumbled throughout and, and Hideki bogeyed one and it looked kind of, looked kind of shaky at times, but he went right back and got, uh, you know, after his first tee shot, but he looked, he went right back and got it at two, got the, got the birdie right back, birdied eight and nine, which, which are holes that no, no one was really birdying all day. And, uh, so he did what he needed to do to make sure that he stayed ahead and, um, you know, there's a little, little shaky there at 15 where he hit it over the green and into the water, which I, honestly, I've never seen anyone do it before. I was kind of surprised he went for the green and two in that spot with the lead that he had on Xander, which was at that point still four, but Xander was in the midst of a four birdie run. You know, as soon as Shoffley got it close, you know, he rinsed it on 16 and that, that was pretty much it at that point. Probably locked up before them, but uh, the one little part where it looked like it was going to get interesting and it just wasn't able to come to fruition for us. Probably not as exciting as maybe 2019. You know, Dustin won by five last year. Hideki had this one pretty much pretty well locked in all day on Sunday and wasn't quite like uh, when Tiger won in 19, but I thought it was great. You know, Zalatoris really put his name on the map. I actually had him and Mark Leishman and Xander in a big pool, and I was headed. I was in first place headed into Sunday. I uh, ended up finishing fifth out of 125. So I did okay, but uh, big fan of those guys. Spieth tried to make it interesting. Just wasn't able to get there. Just stumbled a little bit on the front nine. And to me, it was just a really great tournament. I'm always going to be locked into stuff like this. You know, I, I love them regardless of, you know, who's on the leaderboard. There's always a storyline for me. So I thought it was a great tournament. Jordan Spieth did something that nobody's done before. On 10 birdies four days in a row nobody's ever birdied 10 four days in a row I thought that was something that was interesting they talked about it Sunday on the telecast you know I thought Shoffley he had to get a little bit too aggressive there when you talk you referenced him rinsing it on 16 because out of the gate right I think he bogeyed two three and four took it from being back just a couple to being back four five six whatever it was and I think as he started to make that run late and Hideki sort of kind of started to maybe make some mistakes, uh, he had to become a little bit too aggressive and it, and it cost him. Uh, Justin Thomas on Saturday, he came back after the rain delay and just 
and just absolutely imploded. Collapsed. Collapsed yeah. the team. You know, I mean, hey, it's it's tough, right? You talked about it, course conditions changing, and it's tough when you're out there and you're sort of dialed in, you're locked in, and then you got to take a break and go back. So those are just some of the things that I that I noticed or or watched. I didn't I didn't watch it much on Thursday, Friday. I saw more Saturday. I was a little in and out. Saturday was 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 weird for me. I was a little bit under the weather. Sunday, I watched a lot of it. So, uh, you know, I, I I have much more frame of reference for actually what went on Sunday. Justin Rose Thursday, Friday. It looked like he may end up running away with this thing, and then just on Saturday, I don't know. So it's it just some some good storylines. A lot of Big name players were in the mix, you know, which I think is always good. And then you have some new names. You talked about uh, Zalatoris, who went to Wake Forest or whatever. So that was a nice story there. Young guy got a little um, caddy from from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Social media love there. So people he even got that. a uh, he even got it. Someone's like, have ever, has anyone ever told you you look and sound like Owen Wilson? And he gave him a wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, yeah, I mean, these guys, these guys are fun. He's played in three majors and uh, he's finished T6 at the U.S. Open runner up solo here. And uh, I believe he missed the cut in his, in his other one. But, uh, you know, it's another one. You know, these these young kids, man, it's crazy where golf is in such a great place. You know, Xander's only like 25. Yeah. Rom's only 24, 25. So. Oh, and uh, we did hit the top tens. Um Connors looked like he was going to make it a little bit close. He, he birdied two to get to, he was only four back at that point. So it looked like my guy was going to make a run cam kind of ejected a little bit on Saturday, but got it back both finished in the top 10. So we made some dough there. My, my picks were backwards. If I, hey. was, <laughs> I ended up, I think now was on Fino finished top 10, right? He did. He chipped in on 18 to finish top 10. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I had, I took DJ on the show. Didn't even make the cut. Uh, yeah, DJ, he was just not around at all. And then I made my official picks on uh, Thursday morning right before t- I, I ended up taking JT and Cantley, which weren't much better. Cantley missed the cut. JT, we, we, we know what happened there on to him on Saturday. So I asked Cam if Freddie Couples might mess around and make the cut. I think he finished like <laughs> second or third. He was like plus 18 or whatever. So no, we're, yeah. we're done. We're done with Freddie on that. We love you. I think one, one other thing to note here. While we're talking golf, you know, you and I are big fans of the PGA 2K21 game. A couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of news that Tiger is now attached to the 2K golf game. But on Thursday, EA Sports announced that they are bringing EA Sports golf back and they are still going to be in partnership with the Masters. There was another, uh, I think they actually have, I might get this wrong. I think they are actually partnered with the FedEx Cup on that. So they'll have that sponsorship on there. So it looks like we're going to have two really good golf games here in the next couple years. Very excited about that. Glad to see Augusta is going to be back on a golf game. And it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm always a fan of when these sports games have a competing franchise. I thought, you know, Madden really sort of fell asleep at the wheel when when the 2K series went away. 
you know, I think PGA 2K basketball, even though NBA Live hasn't really been good for a, a long time, they still EA continues to put out an NBA, uh, an NBA Live game. So that sort of pushes the 2K NBA game to uh, improve year over year. So I'm, I'm really glad that we're going to see a competing golf game, one from EA, who's, who's really the, the set name in the space bring it back and, and see what they can do with it. Excited about that. Did you see that? I did. Um, <clears throat> I was a little confused by it because I know that, that, uh, you know, that, that the PGA 2K tiger stuff had just come out like literally a week before they announced it. Um, but Hey, you get licensing with Augusta. I mean, your game's not going anywhere. So, well, when you don't have to pay tiger, you can pay Augusta. That's true. Right. I, I remember one year they paid them both. Yeah, and that was a good game. You know, it, it's been a good game. I, I'm, I'm excited to see it come back. No timeline on it. My guess is it's similar to what they're doing with college football. You know, they're making the announcement now to sort of build some buzz, and it'll probably be a couple years because they haven't put a game out since, what, 15 or 16, the one with Rory on the cover? Yeah, I think it was even earlier than that. So, you know, and, and when they do that, very similar to – NCAA football, they have to EA has to rebuild the engine from the ground up on that. It's not like putting out a yearly game where you just kind of make tweaks and, and small upgrades. So, uh, you know, more more news to come on that. We'll, we'll discuss that more in the future. Before we get into our draft talk, support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live a trusted source for high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes like Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of the new gummy products, you get one for free. Six different benefits to choose from, and instead of just choosing one, visit justlive.com and use the code SUPPORT to buy one and get one free. Buy one, get one free, the new gummies line with code support at justlive.com. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com using the code S-U-P-P-O-R-T. All right. NFL draft rapid fire. I think it's important. Talked about it a little bit in, in the intro. You know, we talk a lot of quarterback stuff. I don't think we talk enough about some of the other areas. You know what? There's probably going to be a little bit of dra- a little bit of quarterback talk in here, but <laughs> the first question I want to ask you, and this I saw this on what's the NFL show with Kay Adams? Uh, uh, Good morning, football. Good morning, football. I was watching it this morning, and one of the questions for the guys on the show was, "What number do you think the draft really starts? Right at one at what pick?" And really, what this is is a conversation two, three, and four, right? I, I'm just I'm curious in your in your mind if you where you think the certainty of the position really the player ends inside that top five. So you're asking me where the draft starts? Yeah, like at what position okay. yeah. do you feel like the certainty is kind of out the window and you don't know what 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 the commissioner is going to read? Yeah, I would say um, 
I would say probably at, at four as in terms of position wise, I would say, you know, we're not really sure what Atlanta's going to do yet. There's now there, there's talk about moving. They're hitting up all the quarterback pro days as well. There was a little talk about Fontenot and uh, Arthur Smith having a disagreement on which route they should go, whether it comes to quarterback. A lot of talk about Kyle Pitts there. I, I, I'm not really sure on what they're doing. I'm I'm and I'm fairly certain that Lawrence and uh, Wilson go one, two. And I don't know which quarterback San Francisco's taking. I am going on the record right now. I am still not buying Mac Jones at three. I'm not going to buy it uh, until it happens. And even then I might not buy it. I might just reject the entire notion, but you know, I, I do think a quarterback goes three and then, uh, you know, at four, I think is where it really starts. Could, could we see a trade? The only thing is if they're really going to let the Matt Ryan decision to eat that, that, that cap number next year, affect what they're going to do this year then they're destined to just be the same same bad team and then you know what they'll have another chance to draft a quarterback here real soon so you know i think that that four is the spot though not real certain what they'll do it just it just feels like atlanta could do what could do whatever yeah i, I think we're going to see quarterbacks go in the top four i'm i'm pretty certain atlanta probably trades out there whether it's denver or you think i do man i i really do I think there's so much hype around this quarterback class and I just get the sense that Atlanta's sort of sold on the Matt Ryan thing for another two years. Now, look, that could, that could all be misinformation. That's, that's my gut feeling. I just, I feel like with that being said, I, I, I really feel like it starts at five. I'm, I'm really interested in, and we'll get in more to, to, Cincinnati at five here in a second. So are you sold and, and you, you touched on this a little bit, but are you, are you sold that you think we get, we get Lawrence Wilson Jones, one, two, three. I think the first two are locked in. I do. Um, I think Justin Fields is, I think the jets are drafting Justin Fields. I'm serious. I cannot Luke. I cannot wrap my fucking head around this idea that the Jets are going to take Tim the Toolman Taylor's oldest son at quarterback. Like I, I Zachary Ty Bryan, I can't it 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 I can't I cannot wrap my mind around it. So I am until I see it happen. And, and similar to what you just said, I might reject the whole idea. And then you know if they take Fields at two, then obviously we'll, uh, Wilson slides three. I do not think that we will see that one two three combination. I do not. I, I don't think so either. I do think I do think that, that Wilson is going to. Um, I can understand and wrap my head around it. I don't agree with it. I think there are elements of it that make sense for Wilson to go number two. I don't, like I said, I do not agree with it. I think Justin Fields is the second best prospect in this class. I think he'll end up being, you know, if he's not the second best, he'll be the best quarterback in this class. Jones going ahead of either one of the other two guys, Fields or Lance, makes zero sense. Can't wrap, can't get it. It makes no sense to me. Um, I just can't get, I can't get on board with it. Like I said, I, I would just reject that notion. And I'm telling you what, right now, if the NFL, if these fucking teams fuck this up, and they let the New England Patriots get Justin Fields, just as the Browns become a contender, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Again, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I heard two things today that, that are really baffling to me. One, Zach Wilson did not face a power five team this year. 
I mean, it's one thing when you're out there beating Coastal Carolina and, you know, directional schools from the West Coast and things like that. I, I just th- – that, to me, is very shocking because tape – I mean, I get it. You can only play the teams that are in front of you, but I'm really concerned about that for him as a player and the speed of the game and the dynamics of the game there. And the other thing I heard today, which I did not know, Analytically speaking, from the way they grade defenses, Justin Fields had the hardest defensive schedule of any quarterback in the draft in the last 10 years. Wow. And he went to the national championship game and you know, played his ass off, and, and they did not lose the game because of him. So none of it makes any sense to me. None of it. The Mac Jones thing, the Zach Wilson thing, the Fields thing – None of it, none of it makes any sense to me. I, I can't, I can't figure it out. Like I said, I, I can get, I can get, I can at least understand Wilson. His I, name I is Zachary ZTB. We call him Zachary Ty Bryant. Yeah. I, I just, to me, I, I don't get it. Um, he is uh, any other draft. Like I, I, I don't, I think it's, he's a hand down slam dunk number one overall pick. And I, there's talk about there's talk about the Patriots is a lot that's a lot out there today. I don't know if we're, we're just we're you know we are getting to that fatigue point. We're about uh, two and a half weeks out now, where mock drafts are coming. You know you're getting six, seven, eight of them a day now. I love um, it. people are tired, so they're they're tired of mocking the same thing, so they're changing their stuff up, and maybe they're they're getting a little excited and and, and changing it up that way. But I mean, I can't imagine. A guy that, you know, if it's like widely accepted that he's a number one or number two pick in any other draft, like this quarterback class is so loaded that he just like slips to 15 or to, to eight even. He's like, not going to he's not going to get past that. He won't get past. Carolina's not letting him go. I don't care that they just traded for Darnold. They're not passing Justin no. Fields. So. Although I did hear one of the draft analysts, maybe Kuiper McShit. I, I can't remember. And this was a couple weeks ago, but they did. He, they did say that they would have based on the way they, maybe it was Daniel Jeremiah. I don't know. Based on the way they had these players rated Sam Darnold would be the number two would be the number two rated quarterback in this draft. So if somebody that's heading up Carolina's scouting program, feels like Sam Darnold is, is a higher rated player than the rest of these guys. And maybe not, but I mean, I still think the four are going to go in the top four. So all that really means is there's one left and I don't know, maybe the Cowboys is a trade spot at 10 with one of these teams. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. So, all right. Who's the first non quarterback off the board? Who do you like? I think it's it's one of three names. I think we we all know that it's it, it's Pitts, Chase, or the tackle from Oregon, Penny Sewell. Um, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Pitts. You know, I could see Atlanta doing that. Man, what if they if they do decide to do that? What a what a load of weapons down there uh, with to pair them up with Julio and Ridley. Um, but you know, I think it, I do think it's him. I was sold on Chase being like uh the guy but a couple people that i that i trust and 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 listened to recently said you know if you're taking a quarterback or a wide receiver i'm sorry in the top in the top five do you want that guy to be like a physical specimen and obviously chase is uh very high uh 
very high percentile athlete. He ran a four, three, you know, he did, he did all the, the vertical broad jumps, all that stuff and tested out really, really well. Yeah, so he has a 95th percentile broad jump, a 95th percentile vertical jump, 95 percent, 95th percentile 40-yard dash. Um, but he's six foot, 200 pounds. Um, you know, I I don't want to I don't want a guy that looks like, you know, he probably couldn't play basketball. You know, you, you want you want the you want the the Julios, the Calvins, those guys that are six five, six six. Um, even Mike Evans, you know, six five, two fifty, two forty five. Those big mountain men, like I think Chase is going to be fine. I think he has uh, the requisite talent to be, you know, an outlier for a guy that that's that's that size. And there's lots of them. There's there's lots of outliers in in the NFL. But uh, you know, I think it's going to be Pitts. He's just you could just do so much with them. And I think I would actually have Sewell ahead of Chase too. So I would I would go Pitts, Sewell, Chase. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of two guys, and I don't think one of them's Kyle Pitts. I just I don't know, man. I would love him on my football team. I just I don't see him. I don't see him as a top five pick again. Drafting a tight end in the top five, drafting a tight tight end in the first round is an extremely risky proposition. But, but you know yourself. I mean, you you and I had a little bit of a text exchange a few weeks back. He's technically not going to be a tight end. I mean, plus his speed. I'm not worried about the position he plays. I think when you look at who the first non-quarterback off the board is, we're talking about, again, I believe it's going to be Cincinnati because I think quarterbacks are going to go one through four, and I think it comes down to Sewell or Chase, and I really hope it's not Chase. I think that putting him with Joe Burrow. And, oh, I disagree. I hope it is. Man, I, I'd rather it be Chase than Sewell. That kid set SEC records with Joe Burrow as his quarterback. Well, that would bother me if we played the SEC, but we played in the AFC North. I know. I hear you. I didn't debate anything that you <laughs> said. Remember that? I believe it's going to be Sewell. I don't think Cincinnati, with their quarterback getting hurt last year, getting banged around, I just don't think as an organization you guys can sit in a room and not take the best player to protect him. So I'm going to go with Sewell. So. I think, hang on real quick. I think, yeah. I think if you're Cincinnati, you have to be thinking the exact same thing. Okay. You, you face TJ Watt twice a year. You face Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney twice a year. Okay. So, yeah. On top, on and top. And Jadavian Clowney. So, like, you, you can't have Burrow back there throwing it 50 times a game and just, just like a sitting duck like he was last year. It's just, you look, we saw it. It's not going to work. So, I, I think that they're thinking the exact same thing. It's just I'm hedging on whether or not I think Pitts could go at four. So here we go then. That that was my next question because I anticipated that you would probably say that Pitts goes at four. So based in your progression here, if you were Cincinnati, what do you do? I mean, if you're Cincinnati, do you go tackle? with so Luke Crocker is the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you go so I mean, what do you do if you're Cincinnati sitting there at five with your pick? Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably going Sewell. Um, I know you just signed Riley Reef. You have Jonah Williams, but uh, you know, move Jonah inside. He's got those short arms anyway. He can play guard for a year while Riley Reef plays the other tackle spot and then move him, then move him back over to that side. So I, I think I'm doing that. Look at what the Browns have been able to do um in the past few years, and it's largely based on keeping pressure off the quarterback you know we could debate whether or not baker's a top 10 or, or, or an elite quarterback or whatever you want but keeping pressure off him has been 
night and day difference between his performance. So I think especially a younger quarterback, you know, entering second year, a guy that got hurt in his first year, maybe he's a little hesitant. I think you got to protect him. T Higgins is a good receiver. Tyler Boyd's a good receiver. Mixon, you line him up in the slot, whatever. They probably need a tight end, but you can figure out pass catchers. Um, it's, kind, it's, it's much harder to cobble together uh, elite protection. The next one, I was going to go to Chase and Pitts and have a conversation there. I mean, you've talked about them a lot. I, you clearly would prefer Pitts. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Saying all that I've said, I'm still not even sure. I, I buy it. Like, it's just the thing that scares me is taking a tight end in the first round. They have. I just really like Jamar Chase. I like it, everything he brings to the table. Yeah, I do too. I, I love him. I love him. It's just you know I heard some stuff this week from some people that that you know I value their opinion and they've they've kind of talked me down from him. You know, I, I before this week I was like, okay, he's a slam dunk, but maybe we're getting again we're getting to that point where people are doing a little nitpicking. So yeah, it's probably Miami. <laughs> putting it up going to some of these guys and putting it out there because they want chase to slide to six uh yeah i, th- I think that. miami's sitting there and they 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 want jamar chase really really bad i mean i think that's the reason why they traded out and then traded back up so i think the bigger question here is waddle and and, and Devonte smith right you know i think with Devonte smith he's more of sort of a straight line speed guy Jalen Waddle's more of a of a route runner. They're both small guys. Waddle's a little bigger build than Smith. I believe Smith is actually a little bit taller than Waddle. I, I guess if you're a team sitting, you know, back half of the top 10 or 7 to 12 or 13, you got both these guys sitting there and you need a wide receiver, which, which direction would you want to go between Waddle and Smith? I think for me, I'm going with uh, with Smith. Might be against kind of what the popular sentiment is at the time or at, at, at this time, but I think that he's a little bit more versatile, can play outside. I think I think Jalen Waddle is strictly a a slot receiver. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, especially with today's the way that today's NFL is played. It's just a, what's the big knock on Smith? It's his weight, right? Well, it doesn't really show up on on tape. So like, he's not getting jammed at the line. He's, he's got a huge catch radius for a guy that's that size and he's never missed a snap. Like he's, he's a durable guy. And we know that that Alabama oh, is durability. Famous. You like that, huh? For a guy that's that size. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, that's, I, I look, that's obviously a huge plus. Obviously anytime a guy can play every single snap, it's not like he's not getting hurt. He's playing through. He's playing through injuries. I think he had a broken finger at his pro day. I heard that. Yeah, he uh, did. He did it. He he broke it in the national uh, in the national championship game. I think. And he played. He did it anyway. Yeah, the national championship game where he had 250 yards in the first half. Well, he broke it. I think sometime early in the second half, and he even in the post game he had uh, some sort of a, a wrap on there. So I'm going that way. Nothing against Jalen Waddle. And also, I heard. <laughs> The last time we saw these guys live, Smith was going for 250 yards in the first half, and Waddle coming off an injury didn't look right. And you know maybe there's some of that going on too. But I, I just think that Smith is the more more versatile, more more dynamic guy, and I just think yeah. he's a you know better player. So yeah, I mean I, I think if the team that drafted Devontae Smith was playing Ohio State every week, I think the answer is 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 obvious. You know the the kid absolutely torched Ohio State in the national championship game, and that's the last thing on everybody's mind 
Jalen Waddle, and I haven't done a lot of comp work yet, and I and I will here, but I, I think I've heard some some references to like an Antonio Brown kind of player, really strong route runner, quick twitch, able to get in and out of breaks quick versus the speed, high-end speed that Devontae Smith has. I like those kind of players. I think that if I was drafting, I would probably go that direction. And again, I'm, I'm basing this off of, you know, what I saw in 2019. But going into this season, you know, Waddle was the clear number one guy on that team. And, you know, I'm going to stick with it. I like that. Let's talk defense. We've Hang gone on. All- yeah. Real quick, right before before we move on, just uh, you mentioned comps. Um, I'm just going to read you off NFL.com. It's comps there. It's uh, by Lance Sirline. He's got Calvin Ridley for Devonta Smith. And for Jalen Waddle, he has Tyreek Hill. So what? There's something, there's something to go on. Jalen Waddle, he's got Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Well, I'm taking him. I'm glad I went with him. But I, you know, Ridley's Ridley had a good year last year. I'm still sticking with Devonta Smith. It's okay. You look the comps, you know, what are you gonna do? All right, let's go defense. Who do you like as the first defensive player drafted? I mean, you're looking at probably the Cowboys at 10, which is crazy. It's crazy for me. You think to they're think. going nine offensive I, guys? Well, you know yeah. what? Atlanta, Atlanta might be drafting nine, so they may take a defensive guy. Well, I think, um, wow. I, I didn't even think about it that way. Now, looking at the, the draft order, it looks, <laughs> it looks like you're probably right. It's going to be one of the corners, right? Horn or, or Sertan, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Horn from South Carolina, Patrick Sertan, the second from Alabama, I think uh, would be the leading candidates for for the Cowboys. They're in dire need of a corner after letting Byron Jones walk a couple years ago, and so it didn't look didn't look good, right, great in their secondary. But uh, you know, I don't think a safety's going that high. You know, there's some talk about Micah Parsons. He's got some off the field stuff, but linebackers not going there either. So yeah, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'll go with Sertan. I think it'll be Patrick Sertan. You know, I really like Micah Parsons. I, I really like Micah Parsons. So if I was the GM of Atlanta or Dallas and I'm sitting there and, and I have my pick of the litter, I would probably take Micah Parsons. He's a guy I've, I've had my eyes on. I, I love him. I, I think he's he's a great football player, Big Ten background, size, speed. I mean, he's he's the total package, but you're right. He's got some off field, off the field stuff. So you could see him slide a little bit. I mean, Patrick Sertain is like, first of all, he's got the lineage, right? His dad played in the NFL. He's like six, two, he's 200 pounds. I think he ran a sub, you know, and I think he ran in the four fours on the Alabama pro day. He's big. He's physical. He's got the speed to me, that guy is is a no doubt about it. He's got the the Alabama pedigree. The J.C. Horn thing, you know. Look, he had a great he had a great pro day, but you go back, I don't know, maybe a month ago, five weeks ago, he was an early to mid twenties pick. I don't see his pro day vaulting him all the way up from you know twenty four or twenty six or twenty seven to nine or 10. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that he had that great of a day and certain sort of been in that realm in that, in that space kind of this whole time during the whole draft process. So I'm going to agree with you. And I'm going to say whether, you know, whether it's Atlanta at nine, 
again, assuming that that Denver trades up, but uh, or or Dallas at ten, I think that you're going to see that the corner from Alabama go. I wouldn't have a problem with Horn. I think, uh, you know, I think he's really good. I think he's a, a man defender. That uh, if the teams and the teams don't like him, let him fall to twenty six. I know a team that would love to have him at twenty six. We need a corner. Sante Samuel's starting to get some name. Get, get get. I'm starting to hear that name a lot. I like him. I like the him. Browns um, at 26. I'm not sure if that's a little too high. I, I'd really love if Caleb Farley. But hey, we're we're gonna talk more about this with uh, with maybe a special guest next week. So nice. All right. So last, last, last. Do you think we see a sixth or a seventh quarterback prospect go at the end of the first round? I.e. Kyle Trask. I'm hearing Davis Mills name Mills. everywhere, everywhere right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, do you think we see a sixth or possibly a seventh prospect slide up at the end of the first round? Okay. So if we're doing that, you're going to have to look at the teams that are picking right around the top of the second round that are looking to trade up with Buffalo, Kansas city, Tampa Bay at the end of the first um, Atlanta. Atlanta could be one. Should they stay there and take pits? Oh, God, I really don't like Davis Mills with. Arthur or if Smith. they trade back and pick up more capital. Yeah. And take possible. a defensive player at nine. Yeah, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Philly sitting there at 37. Or are they really going to roll the dice here and just try and go? So Cincinnati, Det- set. Detroit, Detroit. I think if they're not taking one in the first, I don't think they are. It might not I'm be gonna... one there. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say there. I'm gonna say no. There's too many. Do you? I. I, you're I don't know. No you know to when, six when was, or yeah. seven and seven. You're saying. Yeah. You're saying five's it in the first. Yeah, round. it's just a five. Do, when was? Do you? Do you know offhand when was the last time we had a six or no. seven quarterback no. first round? I know. I'm hearing Davis Mills' name everywhere. I. I. I, have I haven't that. seen. I haven't seen him play, so I don't know. I really like Kyle Trask. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Trask went. Shit, it wouldn't surprise me if Trask went to if we saw a sixth quarterback go at 20 to the Bears, to be honest with you. So I think it's highly likely we see six. I think it's not out of the question to see seven, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to put my money on the wood and I'm going to say I think we see six go in the first round. Okay, we haven't seen four since 2018. We're going to see four go in the first four picks. I agree. We're going to see four go before the damn draft even starts. This list only goes back to um, 2000, but in 2011, you had four. Newton, Locker, Gabbert, Ponder. Uh, Yeah, I remember that. 2004, you had four. Eli, Phil, Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Pretty good. Pretty good class. And then J.P. Losman. 2003, you had four with Palmer, Leftwich, Kyle Bowler, and Rex Grossman. And that's it. So I don't, I'm not sure if there's ever been six. I'm not sure that there's ever been five. I mean, I'm, there would have had to have been, but, but yeah, so that's, no, I don't think you have, I don't think we've had five. Well, we're definitely seeing five. Yeah. I, yeah unless this Mac Jones shit is just, everybody's no, been lying. No. There, there's five. Let's say that this thing plays out the way that, they've been projecting that it is. And Justin Fields is the slider. 
Do you believe in your mind that Justin Fields isn't a first round? Won't be a first round draft pick. Two thirds. No, no. I, you know? I, I'm positive that there's going to be five. You know, I, I'm I'm with you there, but six, man. I mean, these guys get pumped up every year. You know, I <laughs> see it again this year. I'm saying we might see seven, though, bro. No, we're not seeing seven. We're not seeing seven. I if a team takes Kyle Trask in the first round, oh God. God have mercy on that fan base. I like Kyle Trask. I like him a lot. And I did see him play. So, all right, that's it. You know, we're going to more, more draft talk next week. Luke reference. We may have a special guest, so we'll see what happens there. And then obviously two weeks, we talked about it in the, in the intro two weeks from this Thursday, April 29th. We will be doing a live show from the corner bar uh, on Spring Garden Street in Greensboro, North Carolina. So, you know, more in- info is going to come out on that. We're going to start pumping that out on social media. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff to get ready for that. And, you know, everybody's going to have an opportunity to win. There's going to be opportunities to win all kinds of prizes and different things like that. So if you're in the area, obviously come out to corner bar. And if you're not in the area, support us by, by watching the live stream. Don't forget at WC sports pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like follow and subscribe. We're now available on all your favorite streaming platforms. We are also, we are also available on the believe podcast network, number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at believe.com. That's B L E A V. And as always, we are presented by BetOnline.ag and just live with their brand new CBD gummies. With that, we love you and enjoy your lives. Absolutely, Hideki. Somebody suck me. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.